0: But it was just, I journal after I spend some quiet time in the morning. And one morning, some of these phrases from scripture just kind of came to me as I was thanking the Lord. So as I said, he's continued. But it's, thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning, your faithfulness that is great, your compassions that fail not, your grace that is sufficient, your strength that is perfected in our weakness your love that is everlasting your understanding that is infinite and unsearchable your ways that are higher than ours your peace that passes all understanding your plans that are good your thoughts of us that are precious and cannot be numbered your ears that are open to our cries your blood that cleanses us your word that lights our way your name that is excellent your light that enlightens our darkness your everlasting arms that are underneath us, your armor that protects us, your rod and staff that comfort us, your promises that are yes and amen, your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light, your presence that is always with us, your joy that is our strength, your Holy Spirit that gives us new life, your robe of righteousness that covers us, your sacrifice that saves us from our sin, your riches and glory that supply all our need, your gifts that build us up, your loving kindness that draws us, your hope of glory that is in us, your resurrection power that will raise us up, your wisdom that is freely given, your truth that sets us free, your eye that guides us, your potter's wheel that forms us, your commandments that are not burdensome, your work that has made us glad, your parables that reveal the mystery of God's kingdom. Your refining fire that purifies us. Your soon return. And I just put the scriptures next to each of these phrases because these phrases are coming right from scripture. So um, I, I would say happy Thanksgiving to you. Um, I do encourage you that next week when it is Thanksgiving that you keep thanking God Thanking the Lord in the center of your dinner, your lunch, your fellowship, your family, your friendships, wherever you're going. There's so many different ways you can bring in thanksgiving, even with unbelievers, because it is a day of thanksgiving. It's a national holiday. And so regardless of whether the people you are with know the Lord or not, you can encourage them to give thanks and even discuss, well, what's today about? Of course, you're going to hear football and food. But what, that's not why it's a national holiday. Why is it a national holiday? It's a day set aside to give thanks to the Lord. Every day should be a day to give thanks to the Lord. And it is usually for believers. But, it, but we need to really take advantage of the holiday and witness and praise and thank the Lord um, while we have opportunity. Um, two little ideas. Since we didn't do a Thanksgiving lesson this year, um, 1987, I started a journal. It's a little, you know, just a little journal about this size. Every year it comes out. The first year, we used to have about 20 of us gathered for Thanksgiving. And we just started writing down a sentence or two of what we were th- wanting to thank the Lord for. Then we'd put it away. The next year we got it out, we put down who was there, where we were, where all the different family members were, if they weren't there. And every year since then, we've brought that out. And the kids that were maybe all they could do was scribble are now old enough. They're writing their own Thanksgiving. They're everyone when they're there to see it goes back through it and rereads it. It's such an awesome thing to do with your family. My niece makes me keep it in our safe, because she says, I don't want anything to happen to that, and I get it when you're gone. So um, it, it just really is a neat way. And the other thing, you know what, if you don't want to do something like that, just write the word Thanksgiving, T H A N K S G I. V-I-N-G, on a piece of paper and give everyone a copy. And while they're just sitting around talking, say write something that you're thankful for that starts with each of those letters, and then read them later. Usually, I mean, unless somebody is just downright obnoxious, they're gonna do it, they're, they're gonna do it. So just happy Thanksgiving, let's pray It we'll get into the, uh, Second Thessalonians, but I did wanna share that with you. So, yes. Yes, I know, Patty. Okay. Uh, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, well, wow. Yeah. We need to pray for Patty Hicks, a gal who used to come for a while to our study. She lives by Ruth, and um, her sister died in the northern fire up north. So, Lord, we do just lift up. Patty, and we thank you we can just come boldly to your throne of grace and we pray not only for patty but other family members and friends and neighbors that are going through this um, this season lord of losing homes and we just heard this morning that at calvary chapel in paradise the church was spared but every member except for the pastor lost their homes and so lord we don't understand all of this but we know you have a good purpose and plan and that you're able to bring good from it. So would you just comfort these people, Lord? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you give them wisdom as they make adjustments and deal with loss and everything that comes with it? So Lord, just um, make Patty be so aware of your presence with her, Lord, um, as she presses into you and any others, Lord, that maybe are known by these women here. Lord, we just lift them before you. You know exactly who they are and what they need. And we look to you as the great I am, Lord, who will meet those needs. And Lord, we do just uh, commit this morning to you. Help us to have an attitude of gratitude each and every day, Lord. And help us to buy up opportunities you give us, Lord, to declare our thanks to others and to those that don't know you, especially with Thanksgiving coming up and lord as we finish our studies in first and second thessalonians we thank you that we've had the freedom to open your word to learn and to grow and to talk about it together so lord have your way this morning as we go through that last chapter we pray in jesus name amen okay second thessalonians chapter 3 the last chapter in our study of paul's two letters that he wrote to the new believers in Thessalonica. The city where Paul had preached just possibly a half a year earlier, just a few months earlier, and he birthed the church before he was run out of town. And basically, this chapter is divided into three main sections that I want to go over verses 1 through 5, I saw it as Paul's prayer and praise, verses 6 through 15, Paul's commands and instructions, and verses 16 through 18, Paul's final words. So as we go through those, for this time, I just like the way um, the English Standard Version read. So I'm going to read these verses to you from from there as we go through each section. So verses 1 through 5, Paul's prayer and praise. First, just verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, and the word there for brothers intimates family. It can intimate just male, but it can also be male and female, but it indicates more of a family relationship. So finally, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So, first of all, in verses one and two, what's his focus? His focus is on the word of God, sharing the gospel, having freedom to do so. He wanted the word and the way of salvation to have free course and that it would be received as the Thessalonian believers had welcomed it into their lives and it had changed them. And that's what his desire would be as he asked them um, to to pray. and that they would be delivered from those who oppose the truth. When you're standing for truth and light, you're always going to meet with resistance because we've got an enemy who is also going to work through people who are deceived, who are rebellious, who are disobedient. And so he wanted prayer that um, they would be able to share the word and also be delivered from those men who would resist them sharing the word. Now before Paul and the others went to uh, Thessalonica, they had been in Philippi, if you remember, preaching Jesus. They cast a demon out of the slave girl, and then because of that, they were put in prison, beaten and put in prison, but God caused an earthquake, and the guard and his family were saved, and after Paul left there, he went to the city of Thessalonica, where they preached Jesus and began a new church. But after three weeks of teaching, they were run out of town, right, if you remember. But when they left, they went to Berea, where they preached, and many got saved. And, um, but some from Thessalonica had heard what was going on, and they didn't like that they were there in Berea preaching, so they came and caused a riot. So Paul left there and went to Athens again, continuing to preach Jesus, and some got saved. Then he went to Corinth, where he preached Jesus and taught in the synagogue every Sabbath. And Timothy and Silas joined him there, and Paul stayed about a year and a half. And that's where he was when he wrote the letters to the city in Thessalonica, to the new church because he wanted to make sure they were grounded. He had heard that they were struggling over a couple of issues. He wanted to affirm them and encourage them, but then he also wanted to clarify some things. He certainly had had several encounters with wicked and and troublesome men who were um, uh, resisting his preaching and teaching, and that's why he was asking the Thessalonian believers to pray so that they could continue to share the word and have freedom to do so then in verse three we see he praises the lord and declares the lord's faithfulness even though the gospel isn't always going to be received but it'll be rejected and many will be hostile to it god is still faithful no matter what you encounter as you share the gospel lamentations 3 23 says great is your faithfulness in declaring god's faithfulness God's faithfulness isn't limited. It isn't just, well, his faithfulness is like this much. No, his faithfulness is great. It's unlimited. God is faithful. Um, He's faithful even when we're not. He's completely reliable, trustworthy, dependable, faithful. He will, and you can count on this, he will establish and strengthen you and protect you as verse 3 says, and in verse 4, Paul is reminding them that he knew the Lord would continue to help them be obedient and to persevere through their persecution and trials, and that they would be able to walk in obedience to everything they had been taught. And I couldn't help but think of Philippians 1.6, where Paul wrote, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God didn't start a work in you and then is going to say, oh, never mind, and then just turn his back on the work he began. This says he's going to complete it, and he is continuing to work and will complete it, will perfect it until he calls you home. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, God knows what he's wanting to do, and if you yield and cooperate, then he's working his will in you, and he's going to equip you to carry out his will and do those things that will be pleasing to him. Now, in verse 5, we see Paul's heart of prayer. Knowing God's love, ladies, is what's going to get you through any persecution or rejection that you encounter. When, When things are going on in your life and you don't understand, Pastor Chuck used to always tell us, fall back on what you do know. Jesus loves you. God loves you. That's why he was saying to direct their hearts into the love of God. And then knowing and having the patience or the endurance or the steadfastness of Jesus will get you through any persecution or rejection. And you had some verses in your lesson to look up about um, Jesus, how he, you know, despised the, the, what he had to go through, the shame, and yet he endured. So he's our example, and as he equips us, we can endure whatever the um, persecution or rejection or suffering is. And you think about it, what an example that Paul is. He asked for prayer, for the word uh, to go forth unhindered. He praised the Lord, and he reminded others about God's faithfulness and how God will and can help others through the hardship and through the persecution and that's what we need to do we need to remind others that god is faithful we need to remind others god's at work in you he's going to get you through this difficulty and he's going to enable you to keep obeying so we need to pray and let others know that you pray for them that you pray for them to know the love of god and have the patience and endurance of Jesus Christ. Okay. Second section, Paul's commands and instructions. And this is a longer uh, section. This is from verses six through 15. Now we command you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. Excuse me. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat." For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good, for if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother." Now, in verses 6 through 12, we see that Paul had lived as an example when he was there in the city of Thessalonica with them working. And he evidently had taught them also while he was there that they were not to be a burden on someone else, but they were to work. Evidently, some, again, thinking the Lord's return was any moment, quit working. And yet, day after day, when they needed things, they went to those who still We're working, still supplying needs. And Paul was saying, if you don't work, you're not supposed to eat. We are to work. The Lord is coming back any minute, but that doesn't mean we quit our jobs, that we go charge up our charge cards and figure, okay, he's coming. I'm not going to be here. I don't have to worry about paying the bills. No, we're to occupy till he comes. We're to continue going about our daily lives, not bringing dishonor to him, but not taking advantage of others. And he was very strong in this. He commanded them with the authority he had received from the Lord. In verses 13 through 50, he instructed the believers not to grow weary in doing good. And you had Galatians 6, 9 in the lesson that basically says, if we faint not, if we don't give up doing what is right and good, we will reap in due season. Well, we don't know when that season is, but God does, and it tells us that we will reap when that season comes. And you think about the doing good, prayer. I know we can get discouraged when we don't see answers, when you're praying for someone else's salvation or, or maybe a healing, but don't, don't quit doing what is right. Taking meals, uh, showing kindness, forgiving others being long-suffering, withholding that punishment. Um, don't give in and don't give up when you grow weary of those things. You will reap. Keep doing what you know is the right thing to do. Now in the lesson you were to list some things that could hinder uh, you from doing well, and I hope you get to talk about those things for sure, because you're gonna find you're not alone in what you've experienced in those things where you're tempted to to give up or to give in. Now it says if someone is disobedient, why shouldn't we fellowship with them? Well, it's to to shame them, not to destroy them. It's to treat them as a family member. The goal is out of love that they would be ashamed and would return to doing what they were supposed to do. And I couldn't help but think of like interventions. That's been around for the last several years, and I don't know if any of you have participated in in an intervention when someone is just so out of control in whatever area, and the family shows up, or friends, and without that person knowing, and they kind of confront them out of love and try to get them help. Or I'm thinking even with the holidays coming, maybe you have a family member who just every time they come, they get wasted, they drink, they get obnoxious, they kind of ruin the gathering for everyone else. Well, you know what? Don't invite them this year. Tell them they're not welcome this year because they ruin it for everyone. But if they want to come, remain sober, be under control, then they'd be welcome to come. Not because you don't want, you, you want to hurt them or keep them away, but in hopes that they will be ashamed and will want to be there. So don't be afraid to... Um, Share things like that for the sake of everyone else in your family. So follow the Lord's commands and instructions, and you won't go wrong. Okay, the last section, Paul's final words in verses 16, 17, and 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. You notice the all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Okay, verse 17, he, uh, 16. Um, it, he, he's talking about the peace from the Lord. And we know that he gives a peace that passes all understanding, it, it, it just is not human peace and it blows the human mind in a sense because everything can be falling apart in your life and yet you can have peace in the midst of it because that's the peace that the Lord has given you. He is the Lord of peace. He's the peace giver. He's the prince of peace. And because his presence is with you always, right, every moment, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, Every month, every year, every decade, and so on. He is with you, and you can experience His peace once you've made peace with Him through salvation. Then you can experience the peace He gives. Isaiah 26:3. Right now, that's a verse that I, I, it's really needed in my life. It tells us that He will keep in perfect, complete peace those whose mind, which takes in thoughts and imagination, is fixed upon god when you keep your thoughts your eyes your mind directed towards god fixed on god he promises to keep you in perfect complete peace right now some things are going on with my nephew when my niece is calling from kentucky concerned about her brother and it's it's kind of a dilemma we're just not really sure what to do and every time it just kind of stirs things up and it's like i have to keep putting my mind back on the lord for his peace some other things going on personally It can come up, and we're all susceptible to the enemy trying to distract us to get our mind off of the Lord. But when we keep our mind on the Lord, he keeps us in perfect peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 basically says, don't be full of care. Don't be anxious. But if you pray with thanksgiving, then verse 7 tells us that his peace will mount guard or keep our hearts and our minds. When we pray and give thanks to the Lord, when you make your request known, he, his peace follows, and he keeps our minds and our hearts stable and calm and at peace. And who doesn't want that? Verse 17, Paul is basically confirming the letter came from him. It was not a forgery. Because remember, as we studied just last week, that there was some sort of a rumor, whether it was a false teacher, a false prophecy a letter that had been forged that told them they were already in the great tribulation. Um, Paul is saying, look, this is my signature. This is how you know this one came from me. Then verse 18, grace. It's all about grace. Our salvation starts with grace. Day to day, we need to experience God's grace. Grace is receiving the benefit and the blessing that we do not deserve. And that's what God's grace does. It blesses us. It benefits us. Mercy His mercy is keeping us from getting the punishment we do deserve because Jesus took that punishment. But his grace is the benefit and the blessing that we don't deserve. And it continues every day until by his grace, he's going to take us home. He shows us grace. So what should we do? Show grace to others. No, they may not deserve it, but neither do we. And that's the whole point of grace. If they deserved it, if we deserved it, then it wouldn't be grace. So how blessed we are to have Paul's final words written to this young church in Thessalonica. And we get to benefit from it here today, here in 2018. Just think about that. It's amazing. It's still applicable. It's still important. It's still vital. It's still necessary. And we should receive it and welcome it, even as the Thessalonica Church did, and obey it. Okay, you have two weeks to do the review lesson you're going to get, and so I encourage you, ladies, let's finish well. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all of it, Lord, you want us to obey. You want us to know you better by reading it and studying it. So, Lord, we count it a privilege that we've been able to go through these two books in, in the Bible that you've preserved for us and the freedom that we have here, that we can open at any day, any time, any place. So Lord, I, I pray that you help us to recall and retain the lessons that you've taught us, and I pray that even as the women go into their groups this morning, that they can minister one to another the things that you ministered to them through this last chapter of the second letter. And so, Lord, have your way. And again, Lord, I want to pray just for the group that you help us to stay focused on giving you thanks through Thanksgiving and then, Lord, with the holidays coming. Lord, help us to keep you in the center of our thoughts and our preparations and our celebrations, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.